Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to transform lives by making the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. You're joining a community of thousands of people around the world in over 160 countries who've made the decision to work through the entire Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, over however long that takes. You can just join us today and carry on with us if you're here for the first time, or you could consider going right back to the start and then just working through these episodes as they appear at your own pace. Either way, you are most welcome on the journey. If you want to make sure you don't miss another episode, then just click on the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from. So with that said, please do hang on at the back end and I'll tell you of a couple of other ways which you can connect with this ministry. But other than that, we'll pick up where we left off last time. Been looking at this chapter 15 of Matthew's Gospel account of the life of Christ, and we've been thinking and seeing about how Jesus ministered to the excluded in society, and I've called today's short message Ministering Outside the Box. So let's begin by reading the text we're going to cover today. Just three verses, beginning in verse 29 to verse 31, which tells us this. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and went up on the mountain and sat down there. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitudes marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing again. And they glorified the God of Israel. Now, in many ways, this is the second part of this uh, passage that we began looking at last time. We started off yesterday in verse 21, you'll remember. And after he has done this thing where he has healed the daughter of the Gentile woman, a woman who had shown not only a great deal of insight by recognizing that Jesus was the Messiah, as mentioned in the Old Testament tradition, a tradition that she'd not grown up with, but she also showed an amazing degree of faith in his power to heal. So having done these things, Jesus then uses that situation to take it as a teachable moment, both for his disciples and the onlooking crowd. But after these events, we are told that he moves on and he skirts around the Sea of Galilee and he goes up into the nearby mountains. Even so, it seems that a great crowd followed him there. Now, the area is called Decapolis, which Marx tells us this, by the way, and it is a Gentile territory. In fact, the name means ten cities. And these were the ten cities whose main function was the manufacture of coins for the Roman government. But the point is, this was a holy pagan area, a pagan place, and it is this place that a great multitude of these Gentile pagan unbelievers are either waiting for him there or have followed him there. Now, from a Jewish point of people, these people, well, the Jewish leaderships had just called them dogs a few verses ago. Anyways, these supposedly outside and outcast people, they come flocking to him and they bring with them their disabled, their blind, their deaf, 
the ones who couldn't speak, and people with all sorts of other problems. They're brought by the crowd and they're laid at the feet of Jesus. Now remember, Jesus has been seen recently to be mainly teaching his disciples. There has, in a sense, been a sort of intensive sort of course in discipleship training going on recently. And in this situation, it tells us that he heals these people, he ministers to those people, these people who would otherwise be considered outcasts, just like the Phoenician woman who came a few verses ago. But what is important is is the fact that it appears that this crowd get what's going on here. Let me remind you, in verse 31 it tells us, So the multitude marvelled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking again, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. So once again we are told that these Gentiles saw that Jesus was the Messiah, and at least at some level they accepted him, Ironically, they are accepting him as Gentiles, whilst at the same time we can remember that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the God of Israel, are rejecting him and saying he was in fact of the devil. So this crowd got it, and they got it, and they glorified the God of Israel for what he was doing amongst them. I think one of the main purposes of this story is to continue to illustrate that those who are excluded are included when it comes to the God of Israel, to the plan and purposes of God, and they're included because they have faith. But I also think there is a second aspect to the story, and it is to illustrate again that Jesus needed still to teach his own disciples to teach them that they ought to embrace those who are perceived as excluded and they should include them in their Christian ministry. As a matter of fact, I think I'd sum up this whole thing by saying that in the training of these 12 disciples, Jesus is teaching them and he's teaching them by example to minister to everyone, Gentiles as well as Jews, and by nature he is teaching us to do the same. I think I need to repeat that. I believe the sum of what is going on here in this passage, particularly when you read it and hold it in the context of the entire purpose of the Gospel of Matthew, is to show that Jesus is training these guys and he's doing it by example. And he's saying that you and anybody who would claim to be a disciple of him should minister to everyone, not just the inner elite, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, those on the outside anyone in fact. I think this is just the beginning, the opening up, the foreshadowing of the fact of what was declared in chapter 10 when it was said that he was sent first to minister to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But by chapter 28 of this account of Matthews, we will see him sending out his disciples into the whole world. So I think these events here represent the beginning of that transition from the message being just firstly to the Jewish people to something with a much wider worldwide perspective. This, I believe, is the beginning of that transition. Jesus is teaching the apostles that they are also to go minister to the Gentiles. But in fact, they don't quite fully get it yet. Now, by the time we get to the book of Acts, we will discover that God did in fact give Peter a special vision to get him to go and visit a guy called Cornelius and his household. 
So all along the way, Jesus needed to prompt and cajole because these guys really struggled to grasp hold of what Jesus was really saying about the all-encompassing aspect of his mission and ministry. And I suppose that's not surprising when you consider just how insular community that these guys had grown up within. Eventually they did take it on board and the gospel broke past the boundary of Judaism and went out into all the nations of the world. Anyway, at this point, I would just like to make a couple of observations. That being, I think that the point of this passage is really kind of straightforward and that it is telling us that Jesus didn't come just for the Jews. True, he came originally and he came first to the Jews, but that the gospel is going to go out into the whole world, the Gentile world included. Now, it's always tempting to to take this passage and use it as an opportunity to preach on evangelism. And there's nothing wrong with that. When looking at a passage like this, we can definitely say we ought to be in the business of preaching the gospel to the ends of the world, in fact. And certainly beginning at Jerusalem, as we're told later, and then to the ends of the earth. And for us, I think Jerusalem means that we should begin where we live. Because where we live is our Jerusalem. It is where we are at the moment. And I believe this passage is telling us that we shouldn't just stick with this little close-knit group of friends, but break out past that, reach beyond that, and give the people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Try and bring the message of the Bible to people where they are, where they're at. Find the intersection points where the good news of Jesus or just The teaching of the Bible can really help and encourage people or maybe even challenge people where they are standing at the moment. In other words, it's a position of more more outreach than in drag, which seems to be a lot of focus in the church these days. And clearly, that is what is being taught here. And most importantly, it has been taught to be done by example. But it seems to me there is another lesson here. And this is the one I want to conclude with today. So while there is no doubt that part of the message here is about the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth, but just focus on the story for a minute, and it's obvious that this passage deals with people who felt like they were excluded from the religious life of that day. They were described as outsiders. They were Gentiles. They were dogs even, and they lived their entire life in this region called Decapolis. They're just a bunch of pagans from the standpoint of Judaism and they are on the outside of it looking in. And yet Jesus comes along and teaches a true Judaism, a true religion, one in which the message of God's grace is for everyone. And he does this by teaching by example. This is saying and showing us that he wants to teach us to go and embrace those who are excluded, and he wants to do it by example. Go find them. Look at the list of the disadvantaged in this passage that Jesus ministers to. The disabled, the blind, the mute, and all the other ways in which people are excluded. Embrace them all, he says. Minister to them all. Go and find those who are excluded by others, by anyone, and go minister and care to them. In a separate parable, which we'll look at in more detail when we get to it, in Matthew chapter 22. Well, let me just read it to you quickly now. Matthew 22, the opening 14 voices say this. 
And Jesus spoke to them again by parable and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And others seized his servants, and treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies, destroyed these murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to the servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Therefore go into the highways and the byways. As many as you find, invite to the wedding. So these services went out to the highways and gathered together all they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So the parallels are clear here. In it we see Jesus tell the story of a king who puts on a banquet and he said, go tell the invited guests to come immediately. Now first century Greek expert William Barclay adds some interesting background to this in that he says in those days we need to remember they didn't have refrigeration and they would put out an invitation and say, I'm putting on a banquet, shall we say on Friday night, will you come? Now we would call it an RSVP today. If the banquet was on Friday night, they would invite the people on the Sabbath or the Monday night and people would know about it and would say yes or no. And then the host would go and buy the food and prepare the food, but all that would have to be done no more than 24 hours before the banquet. When the food was all prepared and everything was ready and served out, then the servants would be sent out, in this case for Friday afternoon, and they would go into the villages that day and say, okay, the food is ready, the banquet is ready, everybody can come. Now in the parable it's important to note that the people are told that they had already previously been invited and that they had agreed to come in some measure. And this parable, it starts with them just making excuses and the excuses are just as flimsy as they can get. Some just say they've got to go and check their farms. So some offer excuses and some are much more hostile in their reaction to the invite. Anyway, because of the people's excuses and worse, the king says, I want my banquet house full tonight. So we've sent out the initial invitation, but now go out into the city and invite not just those that were first invited, but invite everyone to come, not just the elite of the city. So the servants come back and they say they've done that. And they say that some haven't responded to the invitation, but they say there's still room. And then Jesus makes this very famous statement in certain translations of the Bible. Uh, and he says, go into the streets and the lanes, the highways and the byways, the highways and the hedges, the streets and the lanes. Now, the streets and the lanes are referring to the city. Uh, the highways and the byways are the highways and the hedges, depending which translation you're reading. They're referring to those people who are outside the city. So Jesus there in this other parable is also teaching and saying go out and get the excluded people. Go out to get those people who have to live outside the city. In other words, don't just go to the elite. Don't just go to the movers and the shakers. They were the first group. They were invited. 
but they were invited and they thumbed their nose up at the invitation or worse. Now go out to everyone, even those outside of the city, those who are excluded, and invite them all. So what I believe that both these passages are telling us is that if we desire to be Christ-like, then we too need to be in the business of ministering to people wherever we might find, find them and regardless of what they are life. We friends also should be in the business of ministering to those who are excluded. That has always been the mission of the church. We ought to include those amongst us who are excluded and we ought to minister to them wherever we find them and that's what Jesus did here and that's what Jesus taught here and he did it by example. Recently I read the story of a man called John Gilbert. John Gilbert was a young man who at five years old was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. Now he had a particular aggressive variant of that disease and upon his diagnosis he was told it would eventually destroy every muscle in his body including his ability to breathe. In the space of little more than 10 years from diagnosis it did indeed took his life. But during that time he was still able to write about his, his experience of living with this disease and the trials and the tribulations he faced. John was diagnosed with a condition as a young teenager and died shortly after the age of 25. Before the end of his life, he needed the help of machines even to breathe. He only had enough strength to move a computer mouse with his hand, and of course that's what he did. As the years went by, from those t early teenage years, John gradually lost some things, lost abilities, one year after the another. One year it was the ability to run. He could no longer play sports with the other kids. Another year he was no longer even able to walk, or certainly not walk straight, so he even lost the ability to play with others. Eventually he lost the ability to speak, so that by the time he went to high school, he was really unable to participate at any meaningful level in any of the social life or the life of the school. And John began to experience the pain of exclusion. He wrote that what he called the junior high experience was the hardest area of his life, which we would today in the UK, we talk about the first two to three years of high school. And you know, it's true that for many people, those years are some of the most difficult and challenging years that we all face. So we can only imagine how much more difficult it was for this guy. What John experienced was far worse than most of us can imagine during any difficult years that we might have had at school. He wrote that certain groups of students used to like to humiliate him because of his condition. He also wrote of, of how he once attended a social event at school, but it was such a disaster he was too embarrassed to ever go to another. Also, he wrote about how a bully used to torture him in the school canteen and any other place where he was aware there were no supervising teachers to watch over him, to the point that he actually became afraid to go to school. No one ever seemed to stand up for him, and maybe because they were afraid for themselves to do that. But there were also other moments in John's life where he experienced great joy and great meaning. At one point, as a young teenager, he was named as the representative for everyone suffering from his 
type of conditions in the state of California. At one time, the local National Football League sponsored a fundraising auction and a dinner in which John was the guest of honour, and they auctioned off many valuable sporting memorabilia that night. Now, one particular item caught John's mind, and that was a basketball signed by the players of his favourite team, the Sacramento Kings. Now, John bid a little bit himself for it at the beginning, but the bidding for the basketball rose to an astonishing amount, and eventually one man named a figure so high that it shocked the room, and there was a gasp, and no one was able to match that man, and so he won the basketball, and he went to the front and he collected his prize, but instead of returning to his seat with it, he walked across the room and he placed it in the lap of our friend in his wheelchair. He handed it in between the hands of someone who would never be able to use it, never be able to dribble down a court, or ever even think of throwing it towards a hoop. John wrote, It took me a moment to realise what exactly this man had done. I remember hearing the gasps all around the room, and then the thunderous applause that followed, and I remember seeing weepy eyes everywhere. Well, the point of that story and why it struck me is, as I like to say, friends, is that you too have been given a gift that you never could have got for yourself. I wonder, have you ever realised and understood that someone sacrificed a huge amount for you without giving anything return? This passage in Matthew, when Jesus includes the excluded, it tells me that somebody noticed me. Somebody up there cares, as they say. Somebody cares about me and somebody has acted on my behalf. When was the last time you noticed, really noticed? When was the last time you noticed that all around you there are people who are left out and excluded? I hope you're listening to what Jesus is teaching all of us, all of us who claim to be his students here, and that through it we might learn the lesson of how to really love like the Father did, to love like the Father loved us, and to love like the Son taught us, and to apply it in our daily lives and live it in an attitude of thankfulness for what God has done for us as revealed through this, his word. Okay, friends, that's it for today. Like I said from the beginning, if you want to make sure you don't miss another episode, then just click on the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other of the podcast platforms. Now, you should also be aware that you are unable to obtain additional free teaching resources related to this ministry. For example, there's always a transcript of everything I've said available in the episode notes, as well as other links to ways in which you can connect with this ministry. Now, if you're not seeing live links wherever you currently get your podcast from, then just visit where the podcast is hosted, which is thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com, and you will find all the active links there. Places like the YouTube page, the Facebook channel, and also ways in which you can access other more structured discipleship type teaching courses 
as well as a way in which you can uh, partner and support this ministry if you feel God's calling you to do that. And what I would ask is if you are enjoying this or if you're finding it's valuable and it's helping you, then why not consider liking it or sharing it or reviewing it? Because that's the way it really helps it be found and discovered by more and more people. But with that all said, thank you again for joining me today. And I do trust I'll see you back here tomorrow as we continue to work through the Bible project, studying the Word of God, the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, every day. Bye-bye for now.